0: I have no Panera stories for you, but I can tell you a lot from McDonald's. Um, oh, yeah. uh, anyway, old guy uh, named Eddie that I talk to almost every day when I'm McDonald's. But uh, it was uh, June of uh, 2013. I was uh, sitting in this uh, week-long uh, week-long seminary class, um, and uh, it's you know it's Monday to Friday, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. every day or whatever. Um, I'd been working here at RBC about uh, five years. And uh, I was pretty close to finishing my, my MDiv, uh, Master of Divinity, at, uh, at seminary. And I'm taking, the, taking this class, and uh, I, uh, my phone rings, my phone buzzes, and it's, it's my wife, Abby. And I'm like, she knows I'm in class. Why is she calling me? But I, you know, I, you know I'm late in the middle of class, so I just kind of silence my phone and, uh, you know, just a couple seconds later, my phone rings again. And Abby and I kind of have this code, like, if we call you once, you know, I, I understand you might be in the middle of something, and it's fine, but if I call you a second time, I really expect that you pull away from whatever you're doing, that I, I just really, really need to talk to you. So I'm like, she's calling me twice, she knows I'm in class. I step out of class and they answer, answer the phone. Well, um... A few weeks beforehand, uh, she'd had this kind of pain in her neck and had gone seeing the doctor. And so she, and she, was, she that day, was at a, a test, uh, was having this test done. And we weren't expecting any results for a few weeks from this test. Uh, but she calls me and is like, hey, Aaron, um, I have uh, a Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is a form of uh, cancer of the lymphatic system. Uh, it's the lymphatic system, the part of your body that like, tries to fight disease. And, and that kicked off uh, in my family, kind of a journey of the next uh, six months of chemo, a lot of treatment, a lot of, a lot of other stuff. Uh, thankfully, that was nine years ago. It's doing a lot better now. But I still, to this day, so vividly remember my emotions when I received that phone call. I, I mean, I, like, I, I was sitting there and, and, and almost in a state of, of disbelief, right, because I was like, look, God, you and I need to have a little discussion here, God. I'm a pastor, right? Uh, I could be making more money as an engineer, but I'm doing what I think you wanted me to do. I'm working with middle school students here. Like, like this, this isn't computing, God, with what I should be getting from you. I read my Bible. I lead mission trips. I'm studying your word. I mean, I'm in a seminary class uh, right now. You know, uh, he, the Apostle Paul, when he writes about, like, how awesome of a Jew he is, right? He's like, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He's like, I'm doing all this great stuff, blah, blah, blah. And, I, like, I had my exact same list of why I am a super Christian dude, right? And, and it just, my brain just could not compute. I'm like, God, I am doing everything you would want me to do. And then this happens, and the two did not work together in my brain. I'm like, God, like, how could you, honestly, how could you repay me like this? Jesus, you say in your word that you came that I would have life and have life abundantly, right? And I'm not experiencing that right now. This does not seem to go together. Just realistically, God, you owe me right? For all the good things I am doing for you, because I had my long list of everything I am doing for you, God. Um, you should, you know, give, I, things should be coming back to me, right, God? Like, where's, where's all these blessings I see up in scripture? And, and there was an element where really at the core of my faith, I had to evaluate, Lord, what is going on here? And, and I think today, that's how a lot of us view God. And I think it's, it's really prevalent uh, in our American uh, Christian culture. You know, you might be thinking, this is kind of how I would probably, I thought in, in high school, look, I don't do drugs. I get pretty decent grades. I'm not the best student, but I get pretty decent grades. I'm mostly respectful for my parents. I come to church every Sunday and every Wednesday. I'm in a small group. Like I'm a pretty re- generally a respectful person. Respectful person. I don't have any like all any of the really bad sins, right? I've avoided any of the really really bad. Uh, bad things. And God, in, kind of, in return, I think I should have kind of like a pain-free or an obstacle-free life. Again, we live in a society that is all about how do I avoid pain? How do I avoid obstacles? How do I avoid suffering at all costs? We love our comfort. It's a huge God or idol uh, in the United States is our comfort. But the problem is, and, and this is what I faced in that moment, right? And and really wasn't that moment, it was the next several months kind of uh, of this, this um, is I, I think God owes me. And then, man, there's that big injury that happens, and I can't play the sport that I've devoted years to playing. I'm like, God, what's up with that? You know, you, don't, you got the dream college that you want to go to, and you get that rejection letter. I'm like, seriously, God? Like, I, I've done all the right things. Your parents, one of them gets sick, or maybe they're getting a divorce. Your friends, who you thought were like really tight with you, right? They kind of backstab you, or they're mocking you for your faith, whatever it is, right? You thought, you thought this. You thought, hey, this is the path I'm on, my friends are this, we're, we're good, we're chilling, we're, we're having a great time. And boom, something just kind of U-turns that. And you're like, what is going on? And I cannot tell you the number of people um, that have have told me, hey, uh, this junk happened in my life. And because of that, I mean, just what Michelle was talking about with the, the lady she's been talking to, hey, this was the mess that happened before, and this is why I can't trust God now. This mess, mess happened before, and so they conclude either God isn't powerful enough to help, or maybe he just doesn't exist, right? He is not able to help, or he just, he doesn't care. He doesn't love me. They doubt either that, he, that God is powerful, or they doubt that God is loving and good, and uh, today, we are continuing uh, our He Gets Us series, and I want to look at some of the obstacles or challenges Jesus faced in his ministry and in, in his life, and, and how are these challenges maybe kind of similar to what we face or maybe a little, a little different than what we face, but how did Jesus persevere? How did he work his way through those obstacles, because you know, Jesus promises us in this world we will have, pro- well, there's going to be troubles. There's going to be opposition. There's going to be problems. Our world has been, uh, in a sense, cursed upon, upon Adam and Eve's sin. Like, God made it really clear that there's a curse that's upon the earth. There's death. There's pain. There is mess in this world, right? Some of the mess is, is stuff that we cause, some of our own poor choices. Some of the mess that you experience, you there's nothing you did to deserve it. Nothing, nothing that, that happened. That um, we are in a messy, messy world. But what does God, how does Jesus respond in those situations? How does, how does he understand us in those situations? How do, we, how do we kind of look to him? How do we trust him in our suffering and our pain and our mess? Well, that's, I mean, that's really heavy. Thanks. I know I was like, normally Aaron's up here. Let's start some, something light. And I, I went right in today. Um, but at your tables, uh, I want you to answer uh, two questions for me. If you put up the next slide uh, for me, can you? There we go. What are some people way? What are some people? What are some ways people live today, like they should have no pain? And how did Jesus emotionally or physically suffer here on Earth? You got about three minutes at your tables. Go. Okay. Hey, uh, a couple of you help me out. Help me. Help me out real quick. Um. I just want to hear. I want to hear uh, first question here. What are some people way ways people live today, like they should have kind of no pain, no issues? Like where, where where do you maybe see that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, kind of shutting shutting off our emotions. I think we ways we deal with pain, or we just kind of numb ourselves to pain. Uh, we just entertain uh, away, uh, entertain away our way of pain, whether it's entertainment, drinking, substance abuse. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, similar vein. Kind of we dist- we distract ourselves. We we don't really kind of deal with the real issues. We just kind of again we, we dive into our video game world or our uh, Netflix world or whatever. Yeah, what do you got? Okay, how 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 does social media relate to ways that we live like we should have no pain? Oh oh man, what a terrible throw! Wow. Okay, uh, I am so sorry. That was like that was embarrassingly bad. Um, uh, yeah. Again, it's kind of a, a way uh, a way we distract. We think we we're living and we're not. Uh, not re- really living. You got one more? <laughs> okay, well, thanks for raising your hand. <laughs> See, I got to read. Okay. Um, you know, I, I, think, I think a lot of us, uh, you know, a word I heard multiple tables mention, there's just this sense of entitlement that we have, right? Um, that things, things, should, things should just go easy for me, right? There's the easy button uh, that I want well i 'm going to pray for us, and then we are going to dive into the Gospel of Matthew. God in heaven, uh, I come before you, just grateful and thankful for the opportunity to be here together today, Lord. Uh, God, I pray that as we look at your word, I pray that we would get that you understand our pain and suffering you 're not distant and you 're not far out, but you 're right there with us Lord God I, I just I pray. Uh, that for whatever people are going through today, whatever hurt, whatever craziness is going on, they would know that you're still God, that you're in control, and you love them deeply, Lord. Teach us through your word today. Encourage us in your Son's and We pray. Amen. Okay. Um, we're going to start by looking at a passage in Matthew 12, then in Matthew 23. Sorry if you feel like we're a little out of order on the Gospel of Matthew. It's really all my fault. Um, Lord willing, I'll be in Haiti uh, on Wednesday, and I, we kind of had to switch up the teaching uh, series. That's why you've seen a lot of me uh, in the month of January. Appreciate your prayers, though, for, uh, for that trip. Pray that we'd be an encouragement to the church there. Um, and we're going, to look, uh, we're going to start off and look at some of Jesus' interactions uh, with the Pharisees or the religious elite of his uh, day. Now, Jesus is gaining in popularity in, in Matthew chapter 12. Uh, larger crowds are doing a lot of miracles, which I talked about a couple of weeks ago. But now it's a, a Sabbath day. And we read this in Matthew chapter 12. It says this, Then a demon-oppressed man, who was blind and mute, he couldn't see, couldn't speak, was brought to him, Jesus. And he healed him, so that the man spoke and saw." And all the people were amazed and said, can this be the son of David? By saying, can this be the son of David? There's like, hey, is this the Messiah? The people are like, is this the one that was promised that's gonna come and save, uh, save, the, save our people, right? Um, and then this is what the religious leaders of the day say. Because the people are kind of like, is this him? Is this the one? And the religious leaders now are gonna kind of weigh in on what they think of Jesus. But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, it is only by Belzebub, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. That's kind of their word uh, for, for Satan. Um, and they're basically saying, Jesus is a Satan worshiper. He only has power because of that. Now, imagine how that might feel for Jesus, right? He's going and doing all these nice things for people, right? He's healing them. Uh dude, this guy he couldn't see, couldn't talk. I know Jesus is, has healed them, and we talked about all these other miracles he did for the people. And you would think that they would be like, hey, we're so grateful for you. This is awesome. Thank you, Jesus. You know, we're we're gonna praise you because you're God. And they're like, you are a Satan worshiper. I mean, that's like uh me going and being like, hey, John Fletcher is the biggest Ravens fan I know. He just loves them so much along with the Bengals and the Browns and oh, he any team that the Steelers are playing against, he wants them to win. He never wants to see the Steelers win again, right? Like, I mean, that's just a little bit of a scratch. It doesn't even compare really to how offensive it would be to Jesus to say Jesus is the prince of Satan. That's what the Pharisees are saying to Jesus here. And throughout his ministry, the Pharisees are going to keep accusing him, opposing him, fighting against him. You know, I was in uh, on one of my trips to Haiti. I was told by this, really just told off by this one uh, Haitian dude accusing me of all this junk that wasn't true. And it really, really hurt. And i can be honest, I was mad. Because I was like, I am here to help help serve i'm not here to make any money i'm losing money by being here like i like i'm here to give and you're accusing me of all of this junk and i just really really wanted to hurt someone um i didn't that's what i wanted to do now skipping forward to near the end of jesus's life in matthew chapter 23 Jesus is kind of going to go off on the Pharisees in Matthew 23. He says this, But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. And he's going to call them hypocrites eight times. For you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you, for you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. He's saying, hey, you are you are such hypocrites, you are like forcing people away from the kingdom of God, but you don't even realize you're not even going there either. He just, he calls them out, and he's, this starts kind of a series of, of eight woes where he just tears in to the Pharisees over and over again. Uh, one, another one, he says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs, uh, which outwardly appear beautiful, but are within, are full of Dead people's bones and are all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appeal righteousness, righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Right? He just calls him out for what he believes about him, right? And what he, what is true uh, about them, right? That on the outside they look great, they look amazing, but inside they are dead. And I mean, calling someone a whitewashed tomb. Jesus is harsh, going at them, right? And in response to just all the ways they have rejected God, pushed push back God over and over and over again, right? Uh, Jesus says this, he says, therefore I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, some of whom you will, you will kill and crucify, some you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town. And Jesus is gonna go off a little more about this. But this is something, this is kind of the pattern that God has been using for hundreds of years, almost over a thousand years with the nation of Israel, right? That they reject him, they're ignoring him and he's gonna send them another prophet to just kind of remind them of who God is, of God's power, goodness and love and his redemption. And he's gonna keep sending these prophets to them over and over and over again. And what do the people do over and over again? Say, no, God, we don't want you. Rejecting, rejecting God, rejecting God's uh, love, his kindness and goodness towards him. Now, if someone had rejected me like this, someone rejected you like this, told you off, called you a Satan worshiper, called you a hypocrite, called you a whole bunch of other bad names, throughout years of ministry, of you just kind of helping people, being nice to people. Probably, maybe you guys are holier than I am. I would want to hurt them. And now if I was Jesus and was all powerful, I'd be like, let's them down some fire from heaven and burn them all up, right? Like he, you know, like that's kind of, those are the emotions that I would have in this situation, right? These guys have been frustrating me for years. Boom, I'm all powerful. God, they're all dead right now, right? That's, I mean, I'm just being honest. That's what I would want to do. And this is why I am not the God of the universe, okay? You do not want that. Um, Oh yeah, Thanks. Um, but let's look at Jesus' response and this is how God views you and me and this is how Jesus responds he says oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. He's using this beautiful image of a a mother hen, a mother bird, having all her children rest under her wings. And that's what God says, that's what I want to do for you. And you are not willing. Willing. Jesus is weeping over the city here. He's weeping over the people. He's weeping because he, he just has this deep, deep compassion for them. It talks about in, in Ezekiel and other places in scripture. God isn't like happy that he has to judge people. He doesn't take any delight in the death of the wicked. No, he wants people to repent. Jesus in his whole ministry is like, please would you repent because I know the coming destruction. Please repent, please repent, please repent. Please repent. And he's just like a broken record over and over and he just has this heart and he has the compassion for them. He hurts for them. And, I, and it's, it's important I wanted, why I wanted to start here with this passage. Because I, I think a lot of times in the messes and the pain that we get in we can think that God, God must be vindictive, right? He must be getting back at me for something. And yes, I do believe the Lord disciplines us. But it is always in love. And no matter what you have ever done, no matter what I have ever done, God has this deep, deep compassion for us. He has a love for us. He wants to see us change, repent, find life. He's not up there being like, I made you suffer today. That was a lot of fun, right? I want to make you burn. No. God takes no pleasure in the death, the pain, the suffering of the wicked. It grieves his heart. If you read a bunch of the Old Testament prophecy books, right, where it is talking about these people are going to perish, these people are perish, they're also filled with God weeping over his people over and over and over again. He has a deep, deep compassion for you no matter what you've done. And don't doubt that in your pain. Second, just in terms of this thought of he gets us, we think we have our own pain and rejection. Jesus so clearly was rejected by the religious leaders of his day. Again, they call him a prince of Satan. He was mocked by his siblings, as we talked about the other week. Uh, Judas, who he spent three years kind of hanging out with, eventually betrays him. Uh, Jesus understands your deep pain and your rejection. A lot of times I can think, I'm the only one who's ever experienced this. This is only, God is like, no, I get it. I was there. I've experienced these things too. You know, kind of taking this, taking this pain, uh, just even a, a deeper level. I want to look for a minute at the crucifixion, okay? Um, Jesus, hanging on the cross, and he says this while he's on the cross. It says, about the ninth hour, very close to his, his death, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, Lema, Shabakshantani. Um, don't know how this is pronounced, but that sounds good. That is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, it's recorded Eli, Eli, Lema, whatever. Um, Jesus uh, spoke primarily Aramaic. Um, and that would be, uh, that's in that. But Matthew wrote his gospel in Greek. Uh, and that's why he says, that means, my God, my God, why have you uh, forsaken me? Now, I want to look at that, that verse there. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As Jesus explains that. Uh, back uh, in our foundation series, Lee talked about the Trinity, right? Um, how they're all three God, uh, but there's some separation between them, how all that works. Go back and listen to what Lee, uh, Lee had, to, had to say uh, then. But there's this deep relational relationship between the three parts of the Trinity, right? This close oneness they have, right? That makes them indistinguishable. They are, there is one God that we worship. And here, and this is why uh, even in creation, in creation uh, there's one thing as God is creating the universe that he says is not good. Does anyone know what that one thing in creation that was not good? God says one thing in creation wasn't good. You what? Yeah, people to be alone. Oh, that was, that's really weird. Um, yeah, it's not good for man to be alone because we are created as we're created in the image and likeness of God. We are created as relational beings, just like God is a relational God. And he's experiencing this deep relationship with himself as a father, son, Holy Spirit. And here at the cross, Jesus is explaining, exclaiming, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As the God of the universe has to turn his back on Jesus as Jesus is bearing the weight of all, all of our sin, right? As Jesus died on the cross, all sins past, present, and future are placed on his account. The wrath of God is being poured out upon Jesus, right? And they're just like your sin and my sin separate me from a holy and perfect God. Jesus has, this, has to deal with the weight of that sin that's messing with his relationship then between God and him, right? There's... And and that's why he's exclaiming, oh my God, my God why have you forsaken me? Where Jesus promises to you and to me, I will never leave you or forsake you, on the cross Jesus took all the weight of your sin and my sin which has put this barrier between me and God. And there's this deep pain that he's experiencing as a fractured relationship is now between uh, him and God. And it, and. And I, and I want to bring that up because I, like, I could talk a lot about the physical pain uh, of the cross. I mean, the Romans were experts on torture. Um, you know, we, we read passages like, and then Pilate had, had him taken out and scourged, right? And we're like, oh, he had him scourged. What is that? Like, you just kind of whip him a couple times. No, biggie, no big deal. No, 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 no. Scourge, right? Take a, take a whip, And it's got a bunch of different braids on the end of it. On the ends of the braids, they have different pieces of glass, hard metal, and things like that. And then they take it, they kind of tie you up over a pole post like this, your back legs exposed. And then it just go and start whipping you, right? And then when they would pull back, right there, you got the glass, the other things that kind of dig into your skin. They pull it back and off would come pieces of your skin, like you as they whip and come back. Just chunks of your skin are flying off. I mean, l- realistically, when it says Jesus was scourged, it li- it literally means that from his shoulder blades down to about right, uh, right above his knees, all the skin totally gone and ripped off. Right? It was like just Jesus would have been one bloodied mess. When we talk about oh, they gave him a crown of thorns. No, no, no. these aren't like the little thorns you find out there, these would be a couple inch long. And they would take the thorns and they'd push them into your te- into your temples in the side of your thing. Like you'd be bloodied all of us. And I don't know if you ever like been like hit here or like had something like pinch. This is really sensitive. You get something like poking in there. It's like he had probably a splitting pounding headache. Wouldn't be able to think. Do any of that, right? If you have if you have like that pounding headache, you're like ah like he's, he's experiencing that, right? And, you know, nailing someone to a cross, right? I don't know about you, but the, it doesn't really sound that exciting to have like a big, big stake putting, put right through uh, this part. It would, be, it would have been closer to here, right through kind of like your wrists, right there, down to your feet. I don't know if you've ever had, had a big metal piece nailed through your hand not really the most exciting experience, right? And we could we could talk about that for a while, but I really want to focus on this this emotional piece that Jesus is experiencing here, right? Where he is separated this relationship that he has had with God from eternity past. He is he's he's bearing the weight of your sin and my sin and it is causing just this deep emotional suffering as well as all of his physical suffering and pain that is going on. And this is why, you know, the the night before Jesus uh, was arrested and betrayed, he's in the garden of Gethsemane, right? He's in the garden, and uh, this is what we read. And he said to them, this is his disciples, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. See this weight, this emotional pain that he's dealing with. Remain here and watch with me. And Jesus is going to go uh, over a little bit. And he's going to pray, asking his disciples to stay and watch and pray. And this is what he prays. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it, is po- if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. <laughs> Can we do it any other way? Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus knows what's going to happen. And he's like, God, you know, please. I, mean, I doubt he was saying it like that. He's probably begging, oh God, you know in the Gosp- in the Gospel of Luke it talks about how he was sweating blood, the stress and the agony that he's under. He understands just such such deep pain again in in, tr- in the next verse uh, after he' found them sleeping a couple of verses later, it says the a second time he went away and prayed my father if if this cannot pass. Unless I drink it, your will be done. He said, God, this is painful. But this is what you have for me. And this is what I'm going to do. I would love option B. But this is what you have. And so I'm going to do that. And one of the big things that I want us to see when Jesus approached the suffering and issues and obstacles that he faced he said, God, what's your will? What's your plan? And I'm going to submit to that even if I don't get it, even if I don't like it, and even if I don't understand it. You know, I, I think, I, I, uh, I think when, when I doubt the pain, from pain and suffering, like I mentioned earlier, there's two major areas where I doubt. Maybe you're different, but these are are where I doubt. Number one, God, are you able to help me? Are you powerful enough? When the problem happens, when the issue happens, are you able, are you powerful enough? And as I talked about two weeks ago about all Jesus' miracles, yes, God is able. Jesus rose from the dead, right? If I wonder, is God able to help? Jesus rose from the dead. Yes, God has the power to do it. But there's an element where I have to trust, hey, God, if you are not changing something right now for me, you have a plan. This is what Jesus is doing right here. God, I, I, I would like plan B here. But if you don't change this, I still trust that you have a plan. I still trust that you are God. My struggle when I'm dealing with issues is, God, are you able? And God is reminding me, yes, I am able. The second thing that I really struggle with when I'm dealing with with issues was was always this question, God, do you love me? God, are you able? And then God, do you love me? Are you God and are you uh, good? And Romans 8 puts it way better than I could ever say it, so I'm just gonna copy what Paul wrote in Romans 8. It says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? What Paul's point is, if Jesus was willing to die on a cross for your sins and for my sins, am I really gonna turn and say, are you good, God? God? If Jesus was willing to die for us, did it, is God really going to say, oh, I forgot about you today. You know, I sent my son to die for you yesterday, but today, yeah, I just decided to take a nap. Whatever, you know, you got some pain, whatever. just deal with it. No, if God loved you that much to die for you, he cares so, so much for you. He's not going to forget about you today. He is Good, in verse 35, he says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger of the sword? No, if Jesus died for you and for me, nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ. He continues, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure or convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing can separate you from God's love. And that is demonstrated most clearly in the fact that Jesus died for you and for me. You know, going back to kind of the cancer story I was talking about earlier. You know, in the the months that followed and years to follow, I just wrestled through a lot of things. And I just, I came to this conclusion that there are two fundamental truths that I can never question. And that's what I just talked about. Number one, God is God. He has a plan. His ways are not my ways. He has it under control. He is right, he is true, and he has the authority. He is God. And second, God loves me and he's good. I may not always understand it, but I know He is caring for me. He loves me. He is God and He is good. I gotta be honest with you. There are a lot of things in this world I do not understand. I like they just they they just don't make any sense to me. A lot of the pain, suffering, issues that I see in your lives, your lives, my life, uh, I, I just don't. I like I don't get it. You know I know enough of you well. Uh, well enough to know a lot of the mess that goes on in a lot of your world and i look at some of them I'm like god that makes no sense why why are these things happening and i got to be honest with you i don't know i don't have all the answers yeah i think god has a plan and maybe i can kind of see god doing this that and i can speculate on a lot of those things but the two things i know without a shadow of a doubt is my god is god he's the one in control he's got a plan My God is good, and he loves me. And when I don't understand what's going on in my world, those are the two things I always go back to. My God is God, and my God is good. He loves me. He's got a plan. I don't know. There's so many things I just don't know about. But I know my God is God, and I know my God is good. I think Jesus, here, as as he's about to die on a cross... It's like, God, I would love another option. And there's a lot of days in my life, I'm like, God, can we go with plan B? I would really like plan B. But I know you're God. I know you love me. So I'm gonna follow you today. I'm gonna trust you today. I'm gonna worship you. I'm gonna serve you uh, today. Hebrews chapter 11, uh, it's called the Hall of Faith. It's got a lot of great stories about uh, people's faith um, and this is how uh, it concludes uh, after, after kind of chapter 11 it says all these different stories of the way people believed in God it says this and these, uh, this is how we're closing today therefore since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses let us also lay aside every weight because all these other people walked in faith and all these people in Hebrews 11 they didn't get to they didn't get exactly what they thought they just, well, it says they just welcome God's promises from a distance. Let's lay aside every weight. Kind of my distractions, right? And the sin which clings so closely. I'm going to put aside my distractions. I'm going to put aside my sins. I'm going to run with endurance. I'm going to keep going in what God has for me today. I'm going to keep obeying, keep, and keep doing the right thing today. Why? Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising his shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I love that phrase, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Jesus knew some deep, deep pain was coming. But he looked past that deep pain for the joy that was eternal. And I think for me, I don't know about for you, but for me, the days where I'm like, God, I don't know and I don't get it. But I'm gonna keep looking to Jesus, who dealt with a lot more pain than I will ever deal with, knowing that you have a joy for him. You have a plan for us. So I'm looking to that. I'm gonna fix my eyes on that. I'm gonna keep thinking about that. I'm gonna keep focusing on that. Because that's what you did, that's what I'm trusting in. I don't understand everything, but I know my God is God. I know he's good. Let me pray for us. God, I just, I just thank you for those two truths, Lord. And God, I don't know what everyone is going, what's going on in everyone's world today, Lord, but I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are God. And God, help us, everyone here, to have their faith just firmly planted that you are God. You are the sovereign one who is above all things, who knows all things, who has a plan, who's got it worked out. You're the one who created everything by speaking. You are the all-powerful one who can heal, who can save, who can do whatever you want because you're God. And let us have a hope and a confidence fixed on that today, Lord. And God, let us have our hope fixed on the truth that you are good. You who didn't spare your own son, willingly gave him up for us, Lord. God, may our hearts just be so just in tune to that. And I pray for each of us here with whatever situation we're going on, that's going on in our world, that we would know that you're God and good. We're so grateful for you. We love you. God, may our day be full of worship to you. In your son's name we pray, amen.